Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I don't know if you've heard about the recession vibe that's taken over a corner of Twitter, but it's there. So I asked economics reporter Victoria Guida, what the heck is a recession vibe? (laughs) Well, uh, that's not really a technical term, uh, but basically... People seem to feel like we're in a recession and that the economy is very bad. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. Which is kind of fascinating because in in a lot of ways, the economy is actually very good. But in very obvious ways, it's not good, which is inflation. A recession vibe is basically like people feel gloomy. People feel like things are going in the wrong direction. They're really bummed out about inflation, even though we are not in a recession right now. On the show today, Victoria Guida on the recession vibe and how the Federal Reserve is trying to confront inflation without actually causing a real recession. So what economists say and what people feel are sometimes two different things, which is very much happening now, it seems. Polls on American views on the economy make it look like we're in the Great Depression, which we've been talking about how the economy is really hot in a lot of ways. So at what point do these views start to affect consumer behavior to the point where this vibe recession becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yeah, so it's a it's a fantastic question. So as you said, there is a disconnect. And actually, one of the things that's really fascinating is consumer sentiment hit record lows. You know, it's lower than than people were feeling in the Great Recession, which is, you know, mm-hmm. we got double-digit unemployment then. So it's kind of amazing when you think about it. And there was a housing crash, <laughs> and so people were, like, losing value in their homes. Um, and so consumer sentiment is lower now than it was then about the economy, just to sort of put that in perspective. But the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is there's also a disconnect between how people are feeling and how they're behaving, because people are still spending a lot of money. And it's not just like on things that they absolutely need, although of course people are spending money on that too. But like, for example, the demand for gas is the highest it's been in three years, even though we are now at like the highest national average on record, $5 a gallon for gas is the national average. And people are spending a lot of money on, you know, discretionary stuff, like goods and other things like that. So it's it's also kind of fascinating because there's a people are feeling gloomy, but they're spending like they're doing fine. Mm-hmm. But to the point that you were making, eventually if people are worried about the economy, it should impact things, right? Because if people are worried that we're, they're going to have a recession, then you might start to save more. And the economy is sort of, in some ways, just some big psychological game, right? Because it's basically like the economy is the combination of everyone's behavior. Mm-hmm. And so if everyone's feeling depressed, that's going to have an impact on the economy. The other thing I'll say is people also might not be wrong <laughs> that a recession's coming, even though we do have a lot of positive data, because the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates to fight inflation, and that might cause a recession. In bringing back down inflation to normal levels, they might end up having a cause of recession. Hmm. So the thing I think that a lot of people want to know is like, how long is this inflation going to last? Right? Yeah. So how long will it last? (laughs) To be clear, uh, I have no idea. 
But there's a few things that I can say. One is we do still have some of the prices going up because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. We obviously had inflation before that, which was a combination of, you know, sort of supply chain problems, production, shipping delays, and, you know, too much demand that was at, at least in part fed by a lot of the stimulus that Congress put into the economy. And so the question is the extent to which a lot of that congressional spending has already been spent. And so inflation will maybe start to come back down because of that. Supply chain issues the extent to which those will be fixed quickly. And some things like the semiconductor shortage is not a quick fix. That'll probably take a couple of years, which will mean things like cars may continue to be expensive for a while. Mm -hmm. But Russia's invasion of Ukraine is also now this new problem that cropped up towards the beginning of the year that will continue to be a problem for a while. Because if you think about oil, not only do we see oil at the gas pump, but it also affects the price of shipping things which we ship everything, right? And all of those things are powered by fuel. And then oil also goes into like concrete production and steel production. And those things are inputs in like everything. Mm -hmm. So having really expensive oil makes a lot of things also really expensive too. Mm -hmm. The Biden administration likes to call it Putin's price hike, which is, you know, obviously an exaggeration because we had inflation already. Mm -hmm. But it is part of the reason why we might still continue to see really high inflation numbers as opposed to like somewhat high. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, I, 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 you know, the Fed is raising rates and so inflation should start to come down this year, but it probably won't be back to their 2% target for, you know, at least a couple of years. So buckle up, I guess. Well, and you've been writing about how the new stance that the Federal Reserve took in 2020 kind of helps explain where we are now. Yeah. So basically, people didn't want to have the same kind of recovery that we had after the financial crisis, where it took, you know, over a decade really to get the economy to a super good place. And so the Federal Reserve, in learning lessons from the last crisis, committed in September of 2020 that they wouldn't raise interest rates until we reach what they call maximum employment, which is basically where, you know, the job market is about as full as it can get. And they now think that they kind of waited too long. And this was a stance that was pushed at the time by progressives and seen as a win for progressives, right? Because they thought the Fed was being too cautious with job creation. To be clear, you know, among economists, this wasn't just progressives, but politically, it was particularly progressive Democrats who were really pushing the Fed to say, hey, look, in the past, you've raised interest rates way earlier than you needed to, and inflation never came, and all you ended up doing was just basically keeping people out of the labor market, so stop doing that. And so the Mm -hmm. Fed, you know, did a lot of introspection, particularly after the Great Recession, where inflation ended up below their target, which is 2% inflation. And they were like, you know what, maybe they're right. Maybe we're holding back all these people from having like jobs and wage gains. And it was like the worst possible time for them to make this change because then we had the pandemic and all of the things, all of the things that were characteristic of the way that the economy worked sort of shifted overnight. (laughs) So then all of a sudden you did have to worry about inflation, not the least of which, because, you know, after the last crisis, 
Congress pivoted to like cutting back spending really quickly. They, they switched to deficit mm-hmm. reduction. And that's one of the reasons why the recovery was so slow. And so Congress also learned its lesson. And so it was kind of interesting because one of the reasons why the Fed ended up having to keep rates so low for so long is because there wasn't like necessarily enough juice coming from Congress. And so this time around, not only did you have the Fed say, hey, well, last time around, there was no inflation. But then you also had Congress spending into that being like, hey, we didn't do enough last time. Is there someone who's getting the most political heat for this? Well, the Republicans have worked really hard to make it so that President Biden is taking the political heat for this. And, you know, there are a lot of places around the country where you'll see if you go to a gas station, you'll see the little stickers of Joe Biden saying, like, I did this or whatever, mm-hmm. which is sort of funny because of the inflation, I would say that gas is probably the one that <laughs> President Biden had a lot less to do with. Mm-hmm. Um you know, oil is a is a global commodity that's uh, priced on global markets. And so a- any given president doesn't have nearly as much control as people think over what the price is. It seems like people are blaming Congress and people are also blaming corporations. That's something that polling has shown, too, which is something that the Democrats have really pushed, because basically they're saying that corporations are taking advantage of the fact that we've had some inflation and now they're just basically raising prices because they can. Yep. But but politically, that seems to be resonating, where people people blame corporations and people blame Congress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Congress is an easy target. So what should we be watching out for, do you think, or where do things go from here? Where we go from here is the Federal Reserve is going to keep raising interest rates. They're going to do uh, another double interest rate increase on Wednesday, and they might even go more aggressively. And so eventually, I mean, that will start to bring inflation back down. But the question is, where is inflation in November when they have the midterm elections? And I mean, at this point, I think it'll still be pretty elevated. And I also think it's probably too late to avoid the political fallout of what we've already seen. Yeah. You know, the question then is, is the Fed able to slow growth, slow spending in a way that brings down inflation but doesn't necessarily cause a recession. And that's possible, technically, but it'll be tricky. Victoria Guida, thank you so much for talking with me. Pleasure as always. Also in the news, the European Commission will recommend granting Ukraine official status as an EU candidate country, according to several officials familiar with deliberations. The debate among commissioners followed a surprise visit Saturday by Commission President Ursula von der Leyen to Kyiv, where she discussed Ukraine's membership bid with President Zelensky. And Senate negotiators are racing to finalize legislative text for a gun safety bill, aiming to hold the vote on a final product before Congress leaves for recess in less than two weeks. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Monday that for the first time in a long time, the Senate has a path forward on gun legislation but it's still a potentially rocky road from its current framework to the bill text. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>